And they got there, and St. Peter came up to the, met him there and said, hey, do you mind waiting for a second? And, uh, and he went away and did something. He came back, and he pulled one of them out uh, aside and said, okay, are you ready to go in? He said, but I, I have to ask you one, uh, one question. I said, do, or two questions. Did you, did you mind waiting? And, and the guy said, no. You know, I, I have heaven waiting for me. So I didn't mind waiting at all. So, so he said, uh, well, we'll do this. Spell God. And the guy said, well, capital G-O-D. And Peter said, welcome in, into heaven. Uh, oh, that's right. Little kids, head downstairs. My bad. <clears throat> You're supposed to know just to do that. When I stand up and talk, you walk out. Little kids, that is, not uh, anyone else. So the, uh, so he went out and got the second guy, and he brought him in. He said, hey, did you mind waiting? And the guy said, not at all. said, I, I've lived for 50 years, and, and I'm going to live eternity in heaven. Waiting was no problem at all. And, and so Peter said, well, spell God. And the guy said, G-O, I mean, capital G-O-D. He said, welcome to heaven. So he went to the third guy, and he said, did, did you mind waiting? And the guy said, you know what? I did. I've waited for stuff my whole life. Waited in line at the grocery store. I, I, I waited at, uh, at the doctor's office. Everywhere I go, I've waited. Now I get to heaven, and I had to wait. Yes, I minded waiting, waiting to get in heaven. Peter said, well, it's no problem. doesn't affect a thing. Uh, just one quick question. Uh, will you spell this for me? Spell Slovakia. I'm rarely scared of them. Usually fascinated, somewhat curious, drawn to them, but for the most part not scared. But that day I was. You see, when thunderstorms come and and, and the wind starts blowing and it starts raining hard, I I usually don't get scared. In fact, I I like to watch the the last time we had the tornado science go off at Rustville was one day last summer. When, the, when they went off, I went out on the front porch to, to look. I mean, I didn't see anything coming. Uh, now, Rita tells me that I'm, I'm not scared of storms because I've never seen a tornado. She lived through the big one that hit Topeka back when 1963 or 6, 1966, excuse me. And so if I'd have lived through that, I would be scared. But since I've never seen a tornado, I'm, I'm not. But that day was different. I was coming home from St. Joe and... We'd, we'd been up there watching our youngest son play in a summer league basketball game. And on the way back, about halfway between St. Joe and Rushville, about a little bit north of Halls, the storm hit. And I mean, it started raining hard, and the wind started blowing. I had my wipers on full blast, and I could hardly see. So I finally pulled off the side of the road. I was driving a little Ford Escort at the time. And when I pulled off the road, I sat there, and I, I kid you not, my car just vibrated. And, and, and started to shake, and I'm, I, I, I probably had my seatbelt on, but I, I sensed it a little bit tighter, and I began to look around, and I began, I began to pray, and I'll be honest, probably for one of the first times, I, I was scared. I looked over, there was a big old cottonwood tree that was just bending over in the wind, and, and I thought, oh man, there's, there's, there's got to be a tornado. Turns out there was. I think it's the one that hit the cab high school and tore the roof off and the flooded the high school that year. Uh, but I mean, I was, oh man, I was, I was scared. Uh, do, do storms scare you? Uh, now, not just physical storms, but what about storms in life? Because storms come our way. Storms hit us. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're a financial storm. You're, you're, living, you're living life, everything seems to be going well. The, the, 
the sun is shining, the sky is blue, and all of a sudden a storm cloud arises and, and you've got problems. You, lo- you lost a job, you, uh, your car broke down, your washing machine broke down, college looms on the horizon for one or two children, and, and you're looking at the numbers and, and suddenly this storm has hit you financially and like, man, what, what am I going to do? Or, or maybe, maybe you're in your health world, the storm hits. The doctor says cancer, or, or you're going to have to have surgery. Maybe they say, we can't do anything, you're just going to have to live with it. Or, or I love this one, you're just getting older, and, and it's going to be that way. Or maybe it's relationships. The storm's hit. Your wife says, I don't love you. The husband says, I've never loved you. Your kids treat you like they don't love you. Or maybe you have a friend that treats you like you're not worthy of love. What happens when those storms hit you? Get scared. Well, if you do, I've got good news. He calms storms. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark where we've been studying. Gospel of Mark in chapter 4. We're going to start at the end of the chapter, verses 35 on down through the last verse in the chapter, 35 to 41, and, uh, and, and see this story. We're, we're going to see from this story, and, and so look for them as, we, as I read this, there's three questions that come up in this story. The interesting thing about these three questions are, is that they're the same three questions that often come up when we have storms in life. So look for the three questions that we see there. That day, uh, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now, they were on the Sea of Galilee, as, as we've been here early on in the, the, the Gospel of Mark. They've been, uh, been in the Galilee, Capernaum area. Uh, so he says, let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Now, let me just point this out now, and I won't have to worry about it later. Uh, literally what happened when he calmed the storm, it calmed immediately. It's not like it slowly calmed down, but as soon as Jesus said that word, the, the, the water on the Sea of Galilee got, uh, got uh, uh, as calm as glass. He said to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey. Hopefully you, uh, you saw those questions. Now these, these fishermen were used to storms. Now, about half of the, 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 the twelve were fishermen. So they, they'd spent their life, probably since they were kids, they'd spent their life on the Sea of Galilee. Certainly as adults, as fishermen, they were used to the storms that came up uh, on this sea. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is below sea level. It's surrounded on all sides uh, by, by, by hills and, and valleys. And, and oftentimes storms would rush down off those mountaintops. And storms would rise up pretty quick. The wind would blow really hard. So they were used to these kinds of storms. But this was different. This one came up quickly. And, and the scripture says that it was furious. These experienced fishermen, these seasoned sailors, were battling the winds, they were battling the waves, and they were losing, and, and they were scared. They were in the middle of the storm and overcome with fear. And, and they turned around. I, I, wonder if it wasn't, I wonder if it wasn't just a little bit one at a time. They'd turn around and, and they looked to the back of the boat 
and there, Scripture says, laying on a cushion. Now, the reality is, it probably wasn't a cushion. It probably was a sandbag they used for ballast. But, but laying back there on that sandbag, that cushion, whatever it was, was Jesus. They're fighting for their life. The, the waves are crashing over. The boat's starting to fill up with water. They're probably bailing the water out. They, they are struggling to keep the boat aimed into the waves, and, and they are scared that they're going to die. And Jesus is asleep. So it, it prompts these three questions. Here's the first one. What? Don't you care? <laughs> what? Don't you care if we drown? Jesus, we're struggling here, and you're asleep in the back of the boat. Don't you care about us? I, I wish I could have been there to see how it played out. This has been an interesting question to ask uh, Peter or James, John, one of those guys when we get there. Uh, I, I wonder when the storm first hit, who was the, the first one to, to, to throw that idea out there? Maybe we should wake him up. Uh, in, in fact, who do you think it was? Just out of curiosity, who do you think the first guy that said, hey, let's wake Jesus up? Anyone? Peter, that's who I thought. Now, Scripture doesn't say that, but I just got to believe since Peter was the one that always talked first and, 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 and certainly talked before he thought, I imagine they were all thinking it, but Peter's the one that said, dude, let's wake him up. Uh, see, they weren't quite sure who Jesus was. They knew there was something special about him. They, they knew that there was something different. Uh, I think in their heart of hearts, in, in their spirits, they were hoping that he was the Messiah. After all, they had seen some pretty cool stuff. They'd seen some miraculous stuff. They might have even been looking back as they saw him there thinking, you know, that, that might be the Messiah. That's certainly who they were hoping he was. That might be God's son asleep in the boat. Maybe we should wake him. My, uh, my dad didn't take naps very often. He worked from sun up to sundown. And, and he's one of these guys, some of you guys are like this, he couldn't sit still. Uh, that's Rick, right? I saw you, you told me that earlier. Right? Couldn't sit still. Uh, so that's my dad. I mean, he was up and going. So he didn't take naps very often. But in the, on the rare occasion that he did, usually it was a Sunday afternoon. In the rare occasion that he took a nap, when my dad took a nap, he went to sleep. I mean, he went to sleep hard. And I, I, I remember on one such occasion, I went up to mom while dad was napping. Uh, actually, my brother and I went up to mom and said, hey, can we go over to the high school to play baseball? And mom said these fateful words. She said, ask your dad. I had that covered. Dad's asleep. And I don't know what I'd done, but apparently I'd done something to tick Mom off that day because she said, well, wake up your dad and ask him. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so this is what I did. I went and got my brother Rick and I got my uh, sister Mindy and I said, come on, guys, follow me. And uh, we went in and I grabbed Dad's foot and kind of pulled on his toe and I stepped back. So when his eyes opened up, there was Rick and there was Mindy and I was kind of in the background. And, and when, he, when, when he kind of cleared the fog out of his sleep, uh, I, I said, uh, Dad, Rick wants to know if we could go over to the high school and play baseball. <laughs> but i got to believe it's kind of what was going on. In fact, all three, go- or three of the four Gospels, uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all tell this story. And they all tell it the same way. They all say the disciples woke him. I think it was Peter that first broached the idea, hey, maybe we should wake him up. But when he did, he said, James, John, come on with me. Peter, Andrew, let's all get right there and, and together let's wake him. And so they woke him up. 
they were motivated. Uh, they, they were motivated to ask this question. You don't care. They were motivated, first of all, by their fear. See if this doesn't parallel life a bit, a little bit for us. Their fear caused them to do two things. The 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 first thing it caused them to do was wake Jesus. Uh, we'll, we'll look at that a little bit later on in the sermon to talk a little bit more deeply about that. It caused them to wake Jesus. The second thing it motivated them to do was to question him. Jesus, don't you care that we drown? How, how absurd. How absurd for them to ask this question. Jesus, don't you? Now, now we have the advantage of looking through the lens of time, uh, and, and we know who Jesus was. We, we know what he did. We know what he accomplished. We, we know how he stuck with these guys for three years, even though they were boneheads and made stupid mistakes and said stupid stuff. We know that Jesus was with them all the way to the end, molding them to be the ones that would, uh, would spread the good news. We, we know what Jesus did. We know that he eventually went to the cross. And even though they denied him and ran away, he forgave them. We know that's who Jesus was. We, through time, look back and we know that Jesus cared. But, but we still say, how absurd that, that they would question if he cared. And yet... Don't we do the same thing? When the storms of life are beating down on us, when, when we look around and the wind's blowing and the waves are crashing and, and we feel like we're drowning, maybe drowning in debt, drowning in financial problems, drowning in relationships that are falling apart, we look around us and, and aren't we tempted to shake God awake and say, him, don't you care? Maybe you're maybe you're going through a storm like that right now, or maybe maybe you've recently come out of one, or maybe like most of us, we can at least look back and remember when that happened. What is one of our first reactions? Is it not fear? Don't we find ourselves gripped with fear? It rushes over us, it consumes us. What's going to happen? What am I going to do? What will people say? What will people think? How will I ever make it through? And then we think, God. And then we we, we look back and we realize there's God there. And and I know this isn't how we always approach it, but doesn't it sometimes appear or seem to us like God is asleep in the boat. We are struggling, we're drowning, we're, we're overcome, and we think to call out to God, and there He is. Uh, in Psalm 73, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to these. There's some pretty cool verses for us to look at. Psalm chapter 73. You wonder if that's kind of what the psalmist wasn't going through. If he wasn't in the middle of a storm and he kind of felt this same thing that we sometimes feel. Psalm 73, we're going to look at three different passages. Starting uh, with verse 1 through 6. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. 
have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from burdens that are common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Their pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. And then down in verse, starting with verse 13, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. Have you ever, have you ever thought that in the middle of the storm? God, I've kept myself pure. Surely it's been in vain. Uh, in vain I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been plagued. I've been punished every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressing me till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. And then down at the end of the chapter, verse 23, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by your by my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart will fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We, we see through the lens of, of time, and we know that, that God cared for these guys. We know that Jesus loved them, and he had plans for them. He was going to mold them and use them. And, and the reality is it wasn't going to be, their life wasn't going to be without storms. They, they were going to have plenty of storms past this one little physical storm on the Sea of Galilee. But, but Jesus still cared for them. C.S. Lewis, uh, the, the noted author and theologian, early in his career often lectured people about how they should have faith during trial. When you're going through a struggle, you should just believe in God. Uh, that was all well and good until his own wife, Joy, passed away. And, and then he penned a book called A Grief Observed. And in that book, he cried out to God. And he sought God's face. And, and he shook his fist at God a little bit. He says this, You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth becomes a matter of life and death to you. It is easy to say that you believe a rope is strong and sound as long as you're using it to tie a box. But suppose you had to use that rope to hang over a precipice. Wouldn't you then discover how much you really trusted it? Fear, fear oftentimes causes us to hold on to it when we really should be letting go. They were motivated by their fear, but I think they were also motivated by their frustration. I, I wonder if their, in their attitude there might have been an accusation here we are on the Sea of Galilee, and, and why are we here? It's because of you, Jesus. You're the one that said, get in the boat, let's go to the other side. I wonder if Peter and James and John, the guys that were fishermen, Andrew, I wonder if they, they weren't thinking of themselves as the, rolls, as the waves started rolling in. Well, we never would have gone out here, but Jesus said to do it. We knew a storm was coming. I could have told you a storm. We never should have set, set sail today. But Jesus said, no, get in the boat. I, I, I wonder if sometimes when we're in the middle of that storm, we're not motivated a little bit by frustration. Jesus, you told me to trust you, and now look where I find myself. I wonder if they weren't motivated a little bit also by their, by their fear of failure, by, by looking at their own life and thinking, it wasn't supposed to be like this. I wonder if they didn't all think, you know, we gave it all up for you, Jesus. We, we talked the, the last few weeks about Matthew. I wonder if Matthew wasn't thinking, man, I hate the water. I should be sitting at my tax collector booth along the Sea of Galilee, safe and dry. It wasn't supposed to end this way. 
we, we put our life in your hands, Jesus, and, and look where it got us. I, w- I wonder sometimes when the storms come, if we're not a, if we're not a little bit like them, and just a little fear of that failure, that God, I, I trusted you, and here, here's where I am. I remember times when I've gone through storms, and, and I've had that attitude. I've, I said, but, but God, but God, haven't I served you? And, and, and I remember bargaining with God, but God, haven't I given... Haven't I given my time? Haven't I given myself? Haven't I given my money to you, God? God, couldn't I do so much for you if I wasn't in the middle of the storm? And really, out of all of that, that question keeps ringing out. Don't you care? Don't you care? But a second question comes up and, and, and follows that. Uh, follows that. They, they woke Jesus up. Don't you care if we drown? And it prompts a question that comes from Jesus next. Uh, Jesus uh, got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet be still. The wind died down, it was calm. Then he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Don't you have faith? Why don't you have faith? There's, there's a real tension that starts to develop in the story right about now. Here's the first tension, the, the way I see it, or at least the tension... When I read this story, it's the one that comes up with me. Um, I, I have the attitude, when, when I read this story, I have this attitude uh, of this. I, I say to Jesus, preach it. Let them have it, Jesus. These guys are with you and they're doubting you. Come on, Jesus, let them have it. I kind of have that, that attitude, that self-righteous attitude. Well, you're with Jesus, you should have had faith. Why don't you have more faith? You, you remember the scene from... Uh, from the movie Forrest Gump, uh, it's kind of later in the movie when uh, Lieutenant Dan has joined him uh, on the Jenny, and uh, and the hurricane comes. It kind of sets up the whole story of how he got successful. Hurricane comes, and Lieutenant Lieutenant Dan straps himself to the side of the boat in the middle of the hurricane. Now he's kind of cursing at God and yelling at God, "Don't you have more than that, God?" And but he comes to peace with God through it. But but he stands there like I can take this. Don't we sometimes, or at least me, when I look at this. That's the kind of attitude I have. I would have stood, I would have sat in the front of the boat and said, wow, this is fun. Man, let's hope we hit another big way because I got Jesus in the back. I'm okay. <sighs> yeah. I, I, I can have that attitude from afar, but I don't know that I, I would have. But out of this, out of this, uh, out of this comes the second. Uh, the, the second tension. And, and here it is. Doesn't it seem like they did have faith? Jesus says, questions is why, why don't you believe? But doesn't it appear that they did? Did, did any of you catch that in the story? Because they woke him up. And why did they wake him up? Did they wake him up because misery loves company, we're struggling, we want you to struggle too? Did they... Did they wake him up so he could put his life vest on so he'd be okay and not drown? Did they wake him up because they had an extra bucket? Jesus grabbed that bucket and start bailing. Why did they wake him? I think they woke him up because of what they had seen. They'd seen him raise the paralytic. They'd, they'd seen him touch the, the man with leprosy and he was healed. They'd seen him touch uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law and she came back to health. They'd seen demons be cast. They had seen all of what Jesus had done and and so they woke Jesus up because they wanted Jesus to do something. So 
didn't they believe? I, I see a big tension there. Jesus says, Jesus rebukes them for their lack of belief, but it appears that they did. Uh, have you ever had a child uh, w- wake up in the middle of the night, come into your room, and wake you up because they're scared? Uh, maybe it's a, uh, you hear that first uh, bolt, uh, bolt of lightning strike and thunder roll, and, and you know what you're going to hear next. You're going to hear the sound of your, your kid's feet hitting the floor and, and walking into your room. Mommy, Daddy, I'm scared. Or maybe they come in the middle of the night and there's a reoccurring theme. I had a bad dream. Or they come in and said, Dad, I, I, I saw a monster in my room. And, and what do you do? Now, usually, because I didn't want to get out of bed, I said, just come on in bed, sleep. Kids us to sleep. I don't want to get out. But, but that got old sometimes. So, so you'd walk them back to the room. And as a dad and as a mom, you'd reassure them, it's okay. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. Or you might walk in the room, you flip on the light, you look in the closet, look behind the curtains, you look under the bed. There are no monsters in your room. I guarantee it. You're going to be okay. Trust me. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. And five minutes later, here they come again. Isn't that kind of frustrating? Because you just told them, I'm your dad. I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. So, so on one hand, they didn't have faith because they didn't believe you. But on the other hand, where did they want to be? They wanted to be with you. And, and, so you see that exchange going on? They, Jesus rebuked them because they didn't really believe, and yet that's why they woke him up because they kind of <laughs> they believed, or at least they hoped that he would do something. And so I think Jesus says here, I, I'm here, first of all, I'm here to trust God. Uh, and now, now catch this, this, this is going to be, a, this is going to kind of be a, uh, uh, over, overall kind of way to see this, kind of a backdrop, but really this is something we just have to, to, to learn to trust God with and, and let it be our foundation. Um, but kind of, wasn't Jesus saying, if I can rest, if I can sleep during the storm, if, if I can trust my Father during this same storm to keep me safe, can't you? It, isn't that part of what he's saying? Uh, trust God. See, there's an overriding encouragement that we simply have to trust Him. Psalm 46 Verses 1 to 3, and then at the end of the chapter, verse 10 says this. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will fear, we will not fear, though the earth give away and mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So Jesus, in one sense, was saying... You lack faith to believe that really God had the whole thing in control. God wasn't going to let anything happen to me. I'm in the boat with you. You guys are going to be fine. See, it's a faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had uh, in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. We know the story there that Nebuchadnezzar had them thrown into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to him. And this is what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves. This is Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Before you in this matter, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand. 
But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, King, that we're not going to serve your gods. We're not going to worship the image of gold you've set up. We believe that God can save us. But even if he doesn't, isn't it the same attitude that the apostles had in in Acts chapter 5? When when they were thrown into prison, they were beaten. And as they left, they gave praise that God had counted them worthy enough to suffer. In the same attitude that Paul and Silas had in in Acts chapter 16 when they were thrown in the Philippian jail. And and while they were there, in the midst of their their suffering and pain, uh, at midnight they were singing praises to God. They somehow understood that even in the storm, even in, in the trials, that God was there. It's hard to believe in the middle of the storm when we can only muster up just enough faith to say, don't you care? Don't you care? And Jesus, I think, was also saying here, I'm here, trust me. One of two things was going to happen. Had they not woke Jesus up, wakened Jesus up, one of two things were going to happen. Uh, one was nothing would have happened. The, the storm would have ended. They would have survived. Even though this was this storm should have caused the boat to sink, even though that's what would have happened, but since Jesus was there, it wasn't going to happen. Isn't there a life lesson there for us that even if Jesus doesn't show up to calm the storm, even if he had stayed asleep through the whole thing, we'll be okay. Isn't that what David meant in Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. See, sometimes he doesn't calm the storm. He just keeps us calm during the storm. You catch that? Sometimes he doesn't calm the storm. He just keeps us calm during the storm. See, the other option, Jesus could have woke up in due time. Maybe in five more minutes he would have woken up, said, okay, I got you guys are scared. Be still. Maybe that's what he would have done. Either way, they should have trusted him. Uh, you, you might remember the story from the tragedies of 9-11. Uh, the, the story about Todd Beamer. He was on uh, Flight 93 that, that crashed uh, in the field in Pennsylvania. And, and you remember his story came out because of what he said, let's roll. In fact, his wife wrote a book later on that, that chronicled their lives and the, the whole story by that same title. Uh, in an interview with Lisa Beamer, she talks about what it was like going through that time. She had two small children, was pregnant with her third child when her husband died in this tragedy. She said she remembers the first night looking out at the stars, and she said, a deep calm came over me. The enormous star-filled sky helped me focus on the big, bigger picture. She said, my own world was a mess, but God was still who he was. And I needed to look beyond my devastation. She said, I realize there's a difference between a God who abandons you and one who promises that he will never leave you. They had faith. They woke Jesus up, but it just wasn't quite strong enough yet. And, and then it moves us to the third question, which really, interestingly enough, takes us all the way back to that first question again. Notice what happens after Jesus calmed the storm. It's not what you think. You would have thought when Jesus calmed the storm that the boat would have erupted in cheers. Wow, this is great. This is fantastic. Notice what it says 
in verse 41, they were terrified. They went from being fearful and scared to terrified. They went from the storm's going to kill us to the storm's going to kill us and Jesus just calmed the storm. We're scared again. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Who, who is this? Can he really calm storms? See, I think this is a watershed moment. This is a watershed moment in their, their life. Even though they had seen Jesus do some miraculous things, I wonder, I wonder if they were struggling to really believe they were miracles. I wonder if they were really struggling to understand who God was. But this time they had lived through it. They, they, they were in the middle of the storm. They saw the waves. They felt the wind. They, they felt the water hitting them in the face. And Jesus stopped it all. And if Jesus can calm storms, then He is who He said He was. And it was require, going to require from them a decision. Jesus can calm, calm storms. See, when Jesus calms storms in our life, it often becomes a watershed moment for us. It forces us to decide we're going to believe. And, and then it takes us back to that original question, does, does he care? Can he really care about me? See, that was our question. Jesus, we're dying here. Don't you care? And he proved, he proved that he did. There was a, a family of four that were, were awakened in the middle of the night by a fire in their house. Smoke alarms went off and, and the, the parents woke up, went to the room, got the two kids, ushered them out of the, the, the house safely as the house began to go up in flames and fill with smoke. And as they got outside and were kind of assessing the situation, one of the, the little boys ran back in the house because his dog who was upstairs in his room, was still there. And, and so he ran back in the house to get his dog. Uh, and, 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 and before they realized that he was there, the house began to get even more involved in the flames. And, and so the little boy couldn't get his way down. And they didn't even realize he was gone until they heard him yelling from the window. Uh, and he stood there at the window holding his little dog in his hand, yelling for his dad. And, and his dad looked up and through the smoke could see him. And he hollered up to his little boy. He said, jump, I'll catch you. Jump, I'll catch you. And the little boy yelled down, but dad, I can't see you. And he yelled again, dad, I can't see you. And his father answered simply this. Jump, I can see you. I can see you. Sometimes the storms of life come our way. And we're like, we're like those uh, disciples. And we question, don't you care? God, you seem to be asleep on the cushion and I'm struggling here. Don't you care? Jesus would simply rebuke us and gently rebuke us. Hey, God's there. I'm here. You may not hear me. You may not hear my voice. You may not see me, but I'm there. I'm there. Who is this? The God that cares enough about you to stand by you through the storms of life. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, we often face storms in our life, and it's it's a reality that you're going to you're going to be there with us through them, no matter what happens, no no matter how difficult. Father, you are there. Uh, it's so easy to to be like those disciples to look back and and, and doubt, to to look back and question. God, don't you care? 
Don't you care that I'm hurting? Don't you care that I'm struggling? Father, I'm going to die here. Don't you care? And Father, you've demonstrated to us over and over again that you do. Father, help us today. If we're in the middle of a storm, if the, the clouds are just now gathering, Father, give us the strength to simply let go of what we know and believe and trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning, maybe you're going through one of those storms and you need reassurance and you need strength. I'd encourage you to come. I see we're going to sing it as well. What a, what a fitting song. No, no matter what may come our way, no matter what may hit us, it is well. God is there.